You're listening to Legacy of Leadership, a podcast celebrating 70 years of the UAB School of Nursing. On today's episode, we talk with Deanne Sumrall, a six-time graduate of UAB and two-time graduate of the UAB School of Nursing. As a former faculty member and active member of Sigma, she has influenced other nurse leaders, cared for underserved populations, and championed nurse practitioners in the legislature. My name is Erica Teco, and I'm a marketing specialist with the School of Nursing. I'm Deanne Summerall. I am a six-time graduate of UAB. I, uh, through my learning that I can be a strong leader, probably my greatest achievement is that I am the president of the Nurse Practitioner Alliance of Alabama, which is the organization that represents the 5,700 nurse practitioners in the state of Alabama, and we are in the midst of going to Montgomery every week to champion legislation that will help nurse practitioners to be able to practice better by relaxing the MD to NP ratio. We've been at one to four and we hopefully will go through the Senate this week and it'll be one to nine. So we'll be able to expand our practice opportunities. Oh, that's awesome. Do you mind if we actually start on that? topic of just kind of like, what is it like to be representing nursing and to make those weekly trips to Montgomery? And why do you think it's so important? So it's very important to me that this relaxation occurred because I'm very focused on rural health care. And the way this situation is now, a physician could have four nurse practitioners or four NPs and PAs together but this will allow a physician to have a collaborative practice agreement established with up to nine nurse practitioners, meaning that that physician would have more ability to place nurse practitioners in rural areas. But it also allows nurse practitioners to take a step forward and approach a physician about being their collaborating physician and the nurse practitioner open up their own clinic. And that's one of the things that we have been looking into for our conference that will be in November is having, uh, she's a, a specialist in opening up your own clinic, come and talk with nurse practitioners who might be interested in doing that because it's becoming a very big trend around the country. And how do you see that um, relaxation and nurse practitioners being able to open these practices? How can that improve healthcare and improve access to care? So we have two counties in our state that have one provider for the entire county. And this would allow a nurse practitioner to be able to go to that area. For instance, I met two nurse practitioner students who are in the DMP program at UAB right now in Montgomery at Nurses Day. And both of them are from Selma, and both of them said they want to go back to Selma and practice. And Selma is really very fortunate that they have a, a true champion there who is opening up small rural clinics in the Selma area because transportation is huge. I, after I leave here, I'm going to meet a patient to talk with her about her diabetes, but she has no transportation to get to our clinic. So I'm going, we're going to meet, well, I'm three-fourths of the way. <laughs> I'm going to meet closer to her because she wants to get better, but her income is so limited, she can't she can't take an Uber, there's no bus service in her area. And so we talked on the phone last night and then she said, well, if you can show me how to do that, I'll be happy to do it. 
And I thought, I'm happy to go out and show you how to do this. So what I'm hoping with this relaxation is that we can empower nurse practitioners to feel like they can, uh, they can collaborate on a, a looser level than being in a hospital and having the physician right next door. You said your first degree was mm -hmm. in education. So what was your transition and your journey into nursing like? So in high school, I wanted to be a nurse because my mother was a nurse, my grandmother was a nurse, my aunt was a nurse. And what I found when I went to college, and this is all seriousness, nursing was a lot harder than majoring in education. And my goal when I went to college was to have a really, really good time. And as my dad says, I had a great tan and a really, really good time. So I loved teaching. It was exactly what I was supposed to do. And what I taught at Parker High School, which is a school here in um, Jefferson County, was a course called Health Occupations Education. And it was designed for students who were interested in a health career. Didn't have to be nursing, could be PT, OT, dental assisting. We had a lab set up so I could teach different skills. And then their last semester, they did like a practicum. When my third child was born, daycare, which at that time we thought was super expensive, nothing compared to what today is, daycare was expensive. So my husband said, why don't you stay home for a year and then we'll kind of reevaluate. And during that year, I kept thinking how much I really wanted to see if I could be a nurse because it's not for the weak of heart. So I enrolled at UAB and earned my nursing degree and it took me about one clinical day to realize I was exactly where I needed to be. But I also realized I was exactly where I needed to be in my maturity level. I'm, I think I turned out to be a really good nurse, a strong advocate for my patients, which I would not have been at 22 years of age. So I hear young people say, well, I don't want to become a nurse when I'm 35, but sometimes you need life experience to be able to be a strong advocate for your patient. So I worked for three years um, as a nurse on a women's unit at Montclair, which is now Grandview, and loved it, loved it, but I needed something that provided me a little bit more flexibility. So I returned to UAB and earned a master's as a women's health nurse practitioner. And then I worked at Planned Parenthood for a year which the joke at that time, this was back in the 90s, the joke at that time was every women's health nurse practitioner worked at Planned Parenthood at least for six months. So I was working there and one day I was examining a patient and I thought, you know, I'd really like to look at another orifice besides the one that I have to look at every single patient. So UAB at the time, we were in quarters and they had a program where you could get earn a postmasters in six months. And I thought, because I was young and probably a little bit stupid, I thought, I can do that. It's six months. I can do clinical hours, work full time, have three kids, run a house. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I did, but it was not one of my most intelligent moves I've ever done in my life. Um, and what earning that family degree did was it just opened up numerous opportunities. And then I kind of fell into what I call my absolutely heavenly job. And some people may not think that when I tell what it is, but I started working at Cooper Green. And at, then, at that time it was called Cooper Green Mercy Hospital. 
and Cooper Green is the indigent care facility, medical facility for Jefferson County. And what I found was I found my passion. I found patients who didn't feel like they had a voice and I could serve as that voice. I love the critical thinking you have to have to take care of a patient who doesn't have insurance, who can't go to CVS and get any drug that you prescribe for them. So I had to be creative in what I, the treatment plans that I came up with. Great group of other providers that I've worked with who taught me vast, immensely beneficial skills for the rest of my life. Um, the, my collaborating physician was Mark Wilson, who is now the the, uh, I guess he's the chief medical officer for the Jefferson County Health Department. And so the first night I had to cover night clinic by myself. A patient came in and we're taught as good nurse practitioner students that when your patient comes in, if their blood pressure is over this and this, you send them to the ED and all these things. So I had a patient come in and his blood pressure was 190 over 110. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's gonna have a stroke. So I called Dr. Wilson and Dr. Wilson is very, methodical process said, Deanne, he walked in with that blood pressure and he'll walk out with that blood pressure and this is what you're gonna do. And what I realized was I had been taught the perfect way to take care of a patient in the perfect setting. And I was dealing with an imperfect patient due to finances, living arrangements. This patient actually happened to be homeless. So where was I gonna send him home for no stress? Nowhere. Um, and so I learned so much under the physicians that I worked with at Cooper Green. But what I realized was my passion is taking care of patients who I think are a little less fortunate and because of their circumstances, not less fortunate in life because I've learned wonderful things from my patients um, about life and about not looking at the tiny little things as being the really big things. Um, so I think that was a long answer to a short question, <laughs> but I love to, and now what I do is I work in the PATH clinic, which is um, providing access to healthcare. And it's a grant that the hospital has awarded to the School of Nursing to have a nurse managed clinic. And we see indigent patients who are newly diagnosed or uncontrolled diabetes. So I remember back in nursing school, a teacher talking about diabetes and she said, now we want our patients to have a hemoglobin A1C of seven and when it gets up to 10, we get really worried. And now I see patients who come in where the meter reads greater than 14 and I think, okay. So it's a, it's been a life-changing experience, this path that I've taken. But it all started, I remember sitting in a classroom here in the School of Nursing before it was remodeled, listening to a teacher talk about nutrition, thinking, why do I need to learn about this? I need to know how to put in a Foley catheter. And what I realized was the skills are not what's important. It's my interactions with patients. It's thinking through the processes and looking at, we didn't call it this at the time, but looking at the things that impact their life, those social determinants of health. And going back to what you had said towards the start of your career in coming into nursing after being an educator, um, how do you think your life experience prepared you to actually think critically in those patient interactions and think creatively? So the school where I taught the very first day that I went there, and when I walked into the school and I was, I had on a cute little blue skirt and a white shirt with a little bow tie, and I had long hair that I wore in a ponytail and flat shoes because that's what school teachers looked like. And I'm walking past the principal's office and it had been burned. 
And I looked and I said, oh my gosh, the school caught on fire? And the counselor said, oh no, the principal made a gang angry, so they blew up his office. And I thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> I am a little girl from a town of 4,000 people. I'm, this is gonna be the end of me. And yeah, I did cry the first year, every single day. But again, I was on a hallway with four male teachers who took me under their wing. They taught me how to deal with the students. And what I loved, and it just trans, it kind of transcended into my love for indigent care patients, because this was a very low income school, 99% of the kids were on free lunch. But what I learned was I had to be an advocate for my students, which just pulled into me being an advocate for my patients. And I only left there because I was having my third child. And you were one of the nurse practitioners who helped with the reopening of the foundry, which is big for providing care. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about reopening that clinic and why it's an important resource, resource for the city? So it was kind of serendipitous how it happened. Um, I had been to visit my mother in the small town that I'm from and I was driving back to Birmingham and my collaborating physician, the one I had before Mark Wilson, called me. And I still had his number in my phone and I went, hey, Dr. Allen. And he said, hey, I have a proposition for you. Okay. And the physician who had been there um, had basically been doing this because he felt that God called him to work in this clinic. So he had been there for seven years. Uh, John Fisher is his name. He treats, uh, has a clinic now near Anniston. And he had basically been paying himself $70,000 a year to run this clinic five days a week. And he took fabulous care of his patients. And he saw about 35 patients a day. Not only patients from the Foundry Drug and Alcohol Rehab Program, but community residents also. And Dr. Fisher's wife said after they had their third baby, they had a singleton and then they had twins 18 months later, she said, it's time for you to be a, a real doctor and get a real job making real money. And so he reached out to um, Jeremy Allen, who was my former collaborating physician, and said, would you be interested in coming a couple days a week? And what Jeremy said was, I can't, because he has a full-time job, he said, I can't, but let me see if my nurse practitioner would do it. So the plan was to have the clinic open two four hours, two four hour shifts um, a week. And in order for this to happen, I had to get it cleared through the school and I went to Dr. Cindy Selleck, who was the director of our um, program that allows things like this to happen. And she said, no, we're not gonna do it for two four hour shifts. This is the right thing to do and it's time for us to take a leap and have a nurse managed clinic. And so we opened the clinic. Um, we started with a different nurse practitioner going out and doing their faculty practice there every day. And even though really we, all four of us were really good friends, we practiced just enough differently that what we realized was we needed continuity to have somebody out there. And that's when the school decided to hire a full-time FNP and then um, it kind of transitioned a little bit with Aletheia House playing a bigger role now. But I still work in that clinic a couple days a month just to fill in when they need somebody. So they see more, they see more patients than just the foundry residents. They'll see community patients, but as well as some of the other shelter patients. And you've talked some about how when you entered some of those first jobs, 
you run into the, oh, this isn't the perfect patient, this isn't the perfect situation. Have you seen education shift to maybe better prepare nurses to encounter and care properly for those patients? patients? I have, because I think what we're doing in the undergraduate program, as well as the master's and the DMP, is letting patients, letting nurses know that it's not just about the physical illness that impacts a patient, that it's about the mental, Ill, the mental illness in a lot of cases. It's also about do they have the finances to buy the, the medications. I had a nurse practitioner student with me years ago who said, um, well, I just don't think we should be going to so much effort. You saw that pack of cigarettes in his pocket. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I can only deal with one thing at a time, and my thing right now is to get his blood pressure down. You have no idea what this man encounters when he walks out this door. Um, he may walk, we actually had a patient that wanted to come to the PATH clinic. He walked 17 blocks in the summer to come for his office visit. And I mean, that's dedication to care. I mean, I don't even like to walk two blocks anywhere. I wanna park in the deck with a crosswalk to the office where I'm going. So I think we as educators are doing a better job helping students understand that it's not just about the physical issue that's going on right now. And it, there's so much more that envelops a physical issue than just something wrong with their body organ. Um, and so for my next question, I wanna kind of transition to your family. Um, so Jennifer told me that your son is also a nurse. So what was it like to see him follow your or the career path to becoming a nurse and what was it like just to see him experience nursing school? So in high school, Adam, my beloved son, was a horrible student, but he didn't care. He was a great kid. He was captain of his track team. He would get up on Saturday morning and say, Mom, I'm gonna run, go run eight miles, and he would run his eight miles. And, but his goal was to be in the Marine Corps. From the time he was in fourth grade, he said, I wanna be a Marine, I wanna defend our country. And so he enlisted in the Marine Corps immediately out of high school, graduated in May, went to boot camp in June at Paris Island, which is in South Carolina, which is a little bit hot in June. So that was my first concern with his critical thinking skills. And he wanted to be a reconnaissance Marine he went through all the reconnaissance training. He got sick one time when he was in California and he called me and he told me what was wrong. And being the mother I am, I said, you need to go see the, the nurse in the health hut. And he said, A, there is no health hut. B, there is no nurse. And mom, I can't do this again. I can't tell you what I'm doing right now, but I cannot do this again. You need to come up with some way to get me better. Well, the way was to go to CVS and get some over-the-counter medicines, which did cure him amazingly. Um, but he finished and he was deployed to um, Libya after Benghazi, which was not, which was probably one of the worst times of my life worrying about him. And it was when he came home from that tour that he called me and he said, "I don't think I want to do this as a career." And I'm thinking, "Oh, thank goodness." So he said, I think I want to be a police officer. Well, his late dad was a police officer. And I was very honest and said, Adam, your dad would never want you to do that. It's a horrible lifestyle. You see things that you should never, ever see come out of people's mouths and all kinds of things. And so then he decided he would be a fireman. And all of this is while I think he was stationed at the time at Camp Lejeune. 
And then one day he said, you know, Mom, I really like this medic stuff I do. Maybe I could be a nurse. And I thought, <laughs> no, you can't. You were a horrible student in high school. But okay, I'm going to be the, the loving, caring mom. And I said, okay, son, you make that happen. So a few weeks later, he called me and he said, did you know what a horrible student I was in high school? I got my transcript. Mom, I barely passed high school. Yes, I did know, son. And his comment to me was, why didn't you make me study more? And because of the kind of mother I am, I said, that's not my job. My job is to protect you, to raise you to be a good man, and you are, and to build a good family, which you have. So suck it up, buttercup. So he, um, he left the Marine Corps, went to Jeff State for two semesters, and did took every opportunity they had to help him be successful. He went to every tutoring session. He went to the math lab. I was really impressed by what he did. And then he said he was going to apply to UAB to the School of Nursing. And I said, oh dear, okay. And he said, Mom, I've got a 4.0. And I said, okay, the competition is really tough, honey. Well, he got into UAB and much joy rejoicing. Um, he graduated with a fabulous degree because now what he's doing is working kind of in a war zone. He works in the ED at UAB Hospital. But no, it was um, him being admitted here, graduating, see it's gonna make me cry, graduating, and he was inducted into Sigma Theta Tau, which is the Honor Society for Nursing. And that is a real love of mine. It's just tremendous. Yeah, because I know you were a big part in helping us get the at-large chapter yes. Yes. sorted out. Um, so just because you brought up Sigma, mm -hmm. um, why do you think Sigma is so important? And um, also, how were you involved in the at-large process? So Sigma Theta Tau recognizes high-performing nursing students. They look at GPA because that is an indication, especially at a school like UAB, of a high-performing students. A student and I remember when I was inducted how proud my parents were of me and I was in my late 30s when that happened and I had been inducted into and my parents came for that ceremony when I was inducted to the Honor Society at the School of Education they didn't come for that I think maybe they said good job but this meant because my mom was a nurse she knew how much this meant and I think the the core of Sigma is that it represents leadership scholarship and action and those are the components that make a really good nurse, being leaders on our units, being leaders within our practices, being leaders with our patients. And then scholarship, I followed this podcast where they talked about 20 years ago, it took like three years for information to change. And 10 years ago, it took a year and a half. And five years ago, it took six months. And now, something that could happen on Monday, it could be changed by Friday because of the evidence and the numerous, the vast amount of research that we have to look back on things. Um, and then just the collaboration that we have. I was at a Sigma meeting two weekends ago in Indianapolis where we, it was, um, I think there were 25 of us, but half of the participants, one was from the Netherlands, one of the participants was from Africa. Uh, we, had a, we, we had a participant who was from China. She was not physically there because there were no flights getting out of China right now. So it was a great interaction to learn about how nursing is in various areas. 
of the world. Um, and then our at-large chapter, so the at-large chapter is really designed because it's a it's a load of responsibility to have your own chapter. And there are a number of chapters throughout the United States that are struggling because they don't have the student base to really be able to, to promote scholarships. So we joined with Tuskegee University, which is a historically black college. It's the first BSN nursing program in the state of Alabama, not the first black, the first BSN program, and with University Hospital. And yesterday I was talking with another faculty member here and I said, the people who are serving as preceptors for the students in the RN to BSN program are nurse leaders. And we need to tap into those persons now to encourage them to become a nurse leader within Sigma because they are doing stellar things in guiding the students and seeing their leadership potential as a B an ADRN going into a BSRN program. And then as we wrap up here, um, do you have any advice that you would want to give to future nurses or current nurses who hope to portray leadership qualities? So I think find your passion. One of the things that happened, but it happened after I had been a faculty for six or seven years, was someone said to me, find your one passion and then one something else, but really focus on that passion. Because I wish I'd gotten more involved with Sigma Theta Top when I first started teaching and when I first was inducted into the organization. So I would say find your passion. Um, I think also not thinking of nursing as a three 12 hour shift a week job, because it's not. It is going home at night and worrying about what you did during those 12 hours you were there. It's about advocating for your patient. It's about staying up to date on things that are happening in nursing. And, and I truly believe this, it's about staying active within your school. That I think one thing that distance accessible, I love distance accessible programs, but I think one thing is if you're not physically in this building, you don't truly have the allegiance that I have. Because I was in this building five days a week for two years. So I think that's one of the things is us creating experiences so you feel like this is your place. And I think the remodelization of the school tremendously has done that. I think that's gonna help get former graduates to be more engaged in what's going on. Um, so I think that, and I think the biggest thing is, I don't look at being a nurse as a job. It was my career. It happened at the perfect time for me. I had great mentors when I was a, um, a nurse, a beginning nurse. In fact, I tell people the reason I am such a good nurse is I had a bachelor's degree, but I was the only bachelor's prepared nurse on the floor. I worked with associate degree nurses, and I could think through the process of what was happening in a crisis situation, and they taught me how to do things during the crisis situation. They didn't actually know what, sometimes why they were doing them, but I could figure out, okay, we need to do this and this. So I think I gained a lot of confidence in my skills from that happening. So being invested in, in your, your chosen career and sticking it out. I get a lot of young nurses right now saying, if I had known it was like this, well, you can't tell in nursing school what it's really like. The long hours, the staying greater than 12 hours, the rules, um, the, the guidance. And I think that 
realizing that nursing is truly a true profession and not just something you're going to do three days a week um, helps a lot. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun to get to chat and learn more about you as well. Thanks for listening to Legacy of Leadership, a podcast celebrating 70 years of the UAB School of Nursing. Want more from the UAB School of Nursing? Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UABSON or on Facebook at UAB School of Nursing. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.